title of my lesson this morning is The Invisible String, which will become more clear in just a moment. But in Luke chapter 12, uh, we will begin reading uh, in verse 1. So hop over there. I don't have it on the slides, so I'll give you a second to flip or turn over there as I will do the same myself. Uh, we just finished Luke, uh, in Luke 11, Jesus kind of lambasting the, uh, the Pharisees. Um, and then in Luke 12, Jesus is going to turn and face Jerusalem and begin marching toward Jerusalem for his destiny uh, there, um, which only he really knows is crucifixion and, and death. Let me get to the NIV. There I am. We will be in Luke chapter 12, verse 1, and begin in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear, in the inner rooms, will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet none of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And so talking this morning about the invisible string, you know, at first when you read this, you kind of wonder how it all connects. You know, in the beginning, Jesus talks to his disciples and says, beware the Pharisees, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. Actually, I think in Matthew, uh, it talks about how the disciples misunderstood this. They were like, uh, the Pharisees bakery, like <laughs> the bread they make, like, what do you mean to fear the yeast or beware of the yeast of the Pharisees? Then Jesus goes on to say, this is hypocrisy. Then he says, well, don't be afraid of the one who can kill your body. Be afraid of the one who can actually kill your body and then also punish you after that body is destroyed. Um, and then uh, at the very end, this whole thing with blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I do want to just quickly explain verse 10 as it can be a source of insecurity sometimes. Um, but blaspheming the Holy Spirit isn't so much um, the sin of the moment as it is the sin of one's entire life, of living your entire life in, you know, ostentatious, um, you know, kind of uh, feet stuck in the ground, stiff-necked opposition to God's will. So not just the sin of the moment, but really an entire life of opposing God. This is what Jesus refers to here. Um, but it's, it's kind of funny because Jesus here says, don't be afraid um, of these people. But kind of, he actually kind of says, well, fear actually can still be a good thing, but in the right way. And then he says, well, don't watch out for hypocrisy. 
but also watch out for persecution. Jesus seems to be warning his people of things that are going to come their way, and that these are things that can destroy them. Um, and and the, the, the invisible string um, that we're going to talk about is what is going to be able to actually sustain them, strengthen them, and give them that courage. A little fear goes a long way is kind of Jesus's point here when he says, beware the yeast. You know, yeast is, uh, it's just a little bit, but it, it works throughout the whole batch of dough. Um, and when you're, when you're baking, you know, you see this here and you, you want the yeast to rise, you want the flour to rise, that, you know, you, the, the yeast needs to be put in a place, sometimes a dark place in a hidden place where they, it can kind of expand uh, and, and it can, it can get more volume. It can grow. And you don't need very much. You just need a little bit. And that's Jesus's great point here is just a little bit of fear uh, can destroy you. Just a little bit of fear can destroy your walk with God. And that's scary even considering where we've been these past this past year. There's a lot to be afraid about. So what is Jesus actually discussing? And there's kind of two different things he discusses here. And the first uh, which is interesting in verse one, is it says thousands of were gathering together and they were trampling on each other. Like this is thousands of people trampling on each other so they could see Jesus. And Jesus is saying, beware of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Why would he say that? Well, it seems likely that Jesus says that because he realizes that when you see thousands of people, usually those people want something from you. And there is a risk in popularity. There's a risk in doing things because the people want you to do them. Doing things, call it people-pleasing. Doing things because you, you want to make people happy. Um, and there, there's a, that, just a little bit of that can destroy and can spread and, and, and actually get underneath and kind of erode the entire will of God in a church and in a person. Um, and that's scary too, right? Because doing what's popular <laughs> is easy. Doing the going the path of least resistance is easy. Uh, it's easy to kind of listen to the video, watch the video, or listen to the podcast that's popular for now, but un- maybe unpopular twenty years ago. It's easy to 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 do the the strategy of of Christianity or the ministry strategy, or it's easy to kind of do what's popular and vogue now because the people like it or, or they accept it. And Jesus, all Jesus is saying. Is just be careful not to get carried away with that uh, because all it takes is a little bit. And if you're overly concerned about what people think, you know, you could be, you could become a hypocrite. You could do what's popular. You could just kind of do what they want, but then actually don't really have integrity. What's and then he goes into verse three, right? What, what's done in the inner room, what's said in private will be said in public. What's said in behind closed doors will be brought out. So don't just do what people want you to do. Don't just do that because there will be a time when the motives of the heart are exposed. And so it's, you, you got to make sure that you're, you have integrity. You're doing things that are coming out of the heart, that doing, th- doing things in private that you also would do in public and not just doing what people want you to do. Then he says, well, on the flip side of that, because the flip side of just like people trampling over themselves to come, you know, kind of uh, maybe put pressure on you or to hear what you have to say is those people trampling each other so they can kill you. <laughs> Those people persecuting you. And that's what Jesus says is don't, don't, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. Uh, and even uh, in verse um, 
11, Jesus kind of looks ahead and says, when you are brought before synagogues, well, who, who inhabits a synagogue? Jews, right? Then he says, well, when you're brought before the rulers and authorities. Well, rulers and authorities is a Gentile term. So he's saying, listen, the Jews are going to persecute you. The Gentiles are going to persecute you. Well, who does that encapsulate? Everyone. <laughs> you're going to face persecution. And so Jesus knows that this, this road that we've taken as Christians is not a road that is the broad road. He calls it the narrow road for a reason, right? Wide is the road and easy is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to life. And that narrow road is difficult because on one side, you have this desire in our hearts, a fear maybe of being rejected or a fear of being neglected. And so we can just do what people want us to do or a fear of people putting pressure on us in a very negative way, in a hurtful way, in a painful way. People um, getting us to think or do what they want us to do. Basically, our culture having a huge influence on us. Our past having an influence on us. Our families having an influence on us. These things around us having an influence on us. And so then we become that Christian, that fake Christian, the Christian veneer, and not somebody where streams of living water flow from within and your good deeds just come out of you because it's part of you. Um, and, and this is what Jesus seems to be very concerned about. And he, he is actually really funny. I kind of laughed when I read it because verse five, uh, sorry, verse four, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Actually, no, verse five, no, you should be afraid, <laughs> but be afraid of the right person. Um, and, and what does that actually, what does it actually mean? Um, and, I, and I think that what Jesus is doing in this passage is something that is extremely important if we are to understand how we can not just be Christians today, but die Christians many years, decades from now. We have, to, we have to run the race with endurance, right? We talked about that as a campus ministry Friday. We have to not just run sprints. You have to run with pace, run with rhythm. You have to run to finish. And uh, one of the things in our culture that's popular now that kind of other cultures, uh, sorry, other generations, I should say, uh, were a little bit more focused on, uh, is this idea of heaven. And, you know, past generations have been criticized recently because they focused a bit too much on heaven and not enough now. And of course, some of us know the Joe Hill line um, from the Pie in the Sky song that he wrote. Uh, it's called The Preacher and the Slave. And he writes, long-haired preachers come out every night, try to tell you what's wrong and what's right. But when asked about something to eat, they will answer in voices so sweet. You will eat, you will eat by and by in that glorious land in the sky, way up high. Work and pray and live on hay. You'll get pie in the sky when you die. And, and this was a song kind of basically criticizing preachers. Now, this was written, I think, about 100 years ago. Criticizing preachers for not actually helping the slave or the servant or the, the marginalized now but just telling them, well, in heaven one day you'll be fine, right? Well, well, I think there's there's a lot of truth to that, but I think now, in 2021, I think our culture, the one that I experience, is actually the opposite, which is you almost never hear people talk about heaven. You almost never hear people talk about the end. You, you have a huge focus on the here and now. And that's a good thing because obviously salvation begins in the here and now. And if we can help the poor today, we should and not just tell them to wait till they die. If we can help those who are marginalized. We should. We should do all we can to bring salvation to those today, here and now, for sure. But that does not mean that salvation is relegated 
or assigned to the present and not the future. Jesus is making a point that if we are to live with integrity now, we have to understand the future. We have to know where we are going. We have to be focused on an end result. We have to know where the finish line is. We have to, we have to, have, to have a direction. And if you notice in every single answer in Luke 12 here, Jesus' response has something to do with the future. It has something, look, look in verse 2, right? Yeah, verse 2 and 3. Stop, don't, don't just do what people want you to do because one day from now, down the line, these things will be exposed, right? Don't just fear those who can kill the body because there is somebody, wink, wink, who actually can kill the soul as well. What's that a reference to? That's reference to future, the future reckoning, the future judgment, the end, the end of days. Jesus says, if you, if you don't acknowledge me, then what's going to happen at the end of time when I don't acknowledge you? Jesus is constantly trying to remind his disciples where they're going, what the point is. This isn't just about now. This is about where we're going, what the purpose of all this is. And, and in that way, it's an invisible string. If we, know the, if we have the finish line ever before us, we can, we, can, we can be able to do what needs to be done now to be able to arrive at that place, right? And, and one, one commentator notes it like this. At the end of time, if you can believe the, the, the final judgment, there is an invisible string, a fishing line, if you will, for you fishing aficionados out there. It's hard to say, fishing aficionados. But there's a, an invisible string stretching all the way back, backwards in time from that future moment. Now, whether it's tomorrow or whether it's 50 years from now, there's an invisible string and that string should move us throughout our day to do what must be done, to be able to help those who need help. Because if we cannot just see our neighbors as people who are our neighbors, but somebody who will also face judgment, we will treat them differently. If we don't just see our children as these annoying little people around us, we, but, but, but people who will face judgment, we will treat them differently, won't we? If, if we see ourselves as this, you can see how it actually, it, it allows you to, to see everything differently when you know that there will be an end. There will be a judgment. That, that might sound discouraging or it might sound like negative reinforcement. But if you look closely at the story here, at the passage, it's actually not. Now, sure, judgment has a negative aspect to it. But look at what Jesus says. Verse 2 and 3 about what is said in private will be said in public is not actually innately negative. That can be positive. The little victory that you have when you say no to temptation and nobody's around you, that's going to be recognized by God one day. The private, the private moment where you decide to get on your knees and pray instead of bask in worry and anxiety that nobody else sees, that's going to be recognized and honored by God for all to see one day. It's a positive thing. It, it's a way when we see the end, it allows us to go, wow, this, what I'm doing now is actually of great importance. These small, trivial things I do actually will echo in eternity. Showing up to midweek is not showing up to midweek. It is a decision that will echo in eternity. A decision that you can make. It seems, oh, whatever. No, no. No, this is important, Jesus is saying. These little decisions are important. Sharing your faith, having a quiet time, doing good, serving the poor, bringing a gift card to somebody on the, 
on the corner, maybe a homeless person. These things are important, not because they make us a better person. Like the world tells us, oh, you're a good person. No, no, no. (laughs) We're all going to face judgment. None of us are good. We're all going to face judgment. This isn't about us being good people. That ship has sailed. We're not good. No one is good except Christ alone. The issue is not so much that. The issue is, is that we're all going to face a reckoning one day, and we want to be able to show up to that place in a place going, I did all I could knowing what I know to help people and to be able to do it with a conscience that wants to please God. Look at verse 4. Also not negative, by the way. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but can do a little more. I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Jesus does not say, God will kill you and throw you into hell. He says, God has that authority. God has the authority. And this is what's truly fascinating about this passage. And this is why I think so many of us misunderstand what biblical fear is. Look at verse 5. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. That that sounds kind of negative, doesn't it? But then look at verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is neglected by God. Well, that doesn't seem to make sense. Shouldn't he have said something like, you know, like, hey, you better get your act together and keep it like, no, he says, no, God will not neglect you. God, you want, you want someone to be afraid of? Be afraid of God. Why? Not because he will send you to hell, but because he can, and yet he won't. Biblical fear is about being overwhelmed. To fear in the Bible is to be overwhelmed. Psalm 130 verse 4 says, But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. What? Well, when we are amazed by God's forgiveness of us, when we're aware of judgment, it actually makes us be more grateful, which allows us to fear him because we go, this guy is incredible. Like the song we just sang, our God is an awesome God. He has this authority to cast us into hell. And yet, for many of us, he will be forgiving us. How about Isaiah 49? Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should not, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. God is saying, I, I, I'm not going to neglect you. I'm not going to leave you in the lurch. I'm here. And when we really see, when we begin with the end in mind, when we when we carry around the 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 end times the judgment whatever you want to call it the judgment seat of Christ when we carry that around with us everything that we do is of vast importance and and we it actually allows us to not do things because we want to please people we do it because we want to please God and isn't that what we're all after anyway you know one of the the things that helped me the most not you know is when I was studying the Bible as a teen a teen man boy, whatever, young man, I studied the Bible, the seeking studies for two years, yet nothing was really budging. And they talked about grace, they talked about love, and all those things are, are great, very true things. But you know what got through to me was when my mom said one day as I came home from school, she just goes, Drew, do you want to go to hell? <laughs> In my mom's great blunt way. And I, I thought about it and I was like, I, I really don't. <laughs> and she was like, well, then why are you not taking this more seriously? And, and, and that actually woke me up. And, and, and a few months later, I got, I got baptized. It wasn't so much that I didn't know God's grace. I, I, as best as a 14-year-old can, I, I did. It wasn't that I didn't know God's love. As best as a 14-year-old can, I, I, I did. When we try to derive, take away judgment from love, 
it's no, there's no such thing as love without judgment. No such thing as grace without judgment. And when, when we actually know what judgment is and we know the weight of our sin, we're actually able to be in awe of God. We're able to fear him and not fear people. And it actually allows us to be urgent and to take things seriously because we understand that things are, in fact, serious. Without a judgment, without a reckoning, without an end, everything we do is worthless. It is the great burden of the atheist that everything that they do has no meaning. No meaning, no purpose, except for be a better person, um, uh, which is highly subjective to every culture and every generation and every time. We don't have that. We, in fact, have a God who is not changing. We have a Christ, a Jesus, who is ever unchanging. And you know who knows a little bit about the private becoming public? Is Jesus. You know, Jesus is someone who's like, when you go before the synagogues, the Jews, when you go before the rulers and authorities, the Gentiles, you have to be able to have courage and let the Holy Spirit give you that courage. Well, when we know that he cares in private, that will lead to courage in public. On the left there is Jesus appearing before the Jews, before Caiaphas, the high priest. And he is able to say with great courage, yes, I am the son of God, and you will see him coming on the clouds of heaven. And on the right is him before the Gentiles, different people, same persecution, same high opportunity for him to just give up, for ch- to change his tune. But Jesus does not. When Pilate talks to him and challenges him, says, are you the Christ? Jesus says, it is as you say. When Jesus sees his mother and the, and the women crying as they follow him, he doesn't change God's plan because he wants to please his mom or please them. He loves them. He knows them, but because of all the times in private he's had, he's actually able to do God's will in the most incredible, obedient, submissive, powerful, inspiring, heartwarming way before those who oppose him. And even though it didn't seem like God cared, because Jesus even says, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew that he did. And even though it didn't seem like God was going to neglect him, it maybe felt like he did, but Jesus trusted in God and he entrusted himself to God. God's not going to neglect us. Sparrows were the cheapest thing you could buy in the marketplace. Jesus is like, God is going to pay attention to the sparrows. He's going to pay attention to us. And, and the more we can know that God loves us, the more that we can actually have that courage in public. But you can't know God's love until you know his wrath. You can't know God's grace until you know his judgment. This is something that we're robbing of our kids if we're not teaching it to them. It's something that we're robbing us ourselves of knowing God's grace if, we don't, if we're not constantly reminded in private of what will come. For we must all sit before the judgment seat of Christ, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. Jesus is not persuaded by popular opinion or pain, but he is able to do God's will, and I am so thankful for it. And as we strive to be Christians and live this life that Jesus has called us to live and to to walk in his steps, we will only be able to do it if we properly fear God, and we can only properly fear God if we know his forgiveness. We have to be overwhelmed by him. What are you overwhelmed by? There's a lot to overwhelm us these days. What overwhelms you? Is it God or is it others? Is it other things? What are you persuaded by? Is it popular opinion? The people, you just do what people want you to do? How about pain? You just go the path of least resistance? 
you know, I actually think that a lot of us probably haven't faced much persecution in the last 12 months because we've, we've been out of the fight. We've been at home and I'm sure we, some of us have been trying to engage in the fight, but the temptation right now is more paralysis than it is persecution. So I want to encourage you to think about what have I allowed myself to do? How, what patterns of righteousness have I stopped living by just because of a silly thing like COVID-19? And I don't mean to be uh, uh, flippant. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I know that many lives have been lost by COVID. I know that it is something that is unprecedented in our time. But golly, the generations from the history of all humankind have faced horrible, horrible things. And far be it from us to let something that has come down the pike stop us from doing the one thing that we know to be true, which is to live in faith every day and to confess our sins and to have quiet times and to love one another and to study the Bible with our kids and to not give up so stinking easily on this truth that we've come to know. I pray that we are not like the world, but we are inspired and loved and, and, and we love Christ with all our heart, strength, mind, and soul. And that invisible string can stretch all the way back from the end of time, through the crucifixion, back around so that we can really see our lives and move to blow up our lives, to go move from fear to trust, from anxiety to courage, from hiddenness to openness, from paralysis to action, and from insecurity to assurance. Uh, Church, I, I love all of you deeply. I know that you are all striving to know him and him crucified. And I want to encourage us right now that I want to pray that we don't, we don't let pain or popular opinion stop us from being prepared for action. Um, and whatever that means, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what to do or what it means. I, I think you know. I think you all know what it means to live like a Christian. And I pray that we can not because so that we can be better people or make it into heaven one day. God has told us that he will forgive us. That should allow us to be able to live these lives. That, that should be enough to move us in great ways to do what needs to be done and live in the here and now. We've been chosen for this. God has allowed us to live in this time. I pray that we use it. I pray that we take the opportunity to live the best lives that we can. And in the closing words of a great song by Henry Francis Light, he writes, Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay and all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. I need thy presence every passing hour. What but grace can foil the tempter's power? Who like thyself, my guide and stay, can be through cloud and sunshine, Lord, abide with me. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Will Portillo, and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or connect with us on Facebook at Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe for weekly sermons, encouraging news, and short devotionals. Thanks for tuning in, and see you next time.